Okay, Boker Tov. Uh, today's official daf is Yudalid, but we start in the middle of Yudgimel Amadalis um, with the new parak, and um, you will see by the opening Mishnah and by the Gemara we're about to read that uh, I think the uh, wanted to give you a break from all of the uh, sort of heavy discussions and challenging discussions before we shift into a very different mode now. So let's take a look at the first Mishnah here. Eloheinu Memunim Shahayu B'Mikdash. So, you know, since we're talking about uh, collecting the shekel and what you do with the shekel and what you do with the monies and how you would set the prices for the suppliers. So it's, we've now been obviously very based on Mikdash oriented. So we're going to now just talk about issues about who has what job in the base of Mikdash. Okay, so the following people have, are the appointed people, meaning they have some like uh, administrative position in the base of Mikdash. Yochanan ben Pinchas al Chotamot. Yochanan ben Pinchas oversaw the Chotamot. The Chotamot were the way which we'll see, um, which um, we already alluded to, which was used to buy for people to buy their Nisachim. They pay money, they get a stamp, they go and take that stamp, that receipt, and then they take it to a supplier, and he would supply them with the, with the uh, wine and the... Uh, with the okay, whatever, we'll see about it. Anyway, but that's the tie-in, because we've been talking about the Nisachim, and, uh, you know, that came in a little bit with what you do with the leftover money of the Nisachim, and so on. So Yochanan ben Chizchaz oversaw that. Achyaya al Nisachim. Achyaya was oversaw the Nisachim, so one is giving the guy the receipt, the other is giving the guy the Nisachim. Matya ben Shmuel al Paisot. Matya ben Shmuel oversaw the Paisot, which were the like lots that they drew to see which Kohen would get which job of some of the more uh, sought after jobs. Pachaya al Hakinim. Pachaya oversaw the bird sacrifices, you know, and we'll see in the Gemara why that was a challenge. But basically, also what they would do is, and we have a whole Masechus Kinim because of challenging cases of when birds get mixed up. But it would also be um, less that people would bring their own sacrifices and they put money in a uh, box for it, or you know, in a uh, and um, um, container, and then that money would be taken and used, and the base of mixtas would handle just getting the birds and bringing the bird sacrifices and doing it all within the same day. So that was obviously a very challenging thing to oversee. Um, now the, now the, the Mishnah makes an interesting sort of shift. Pitachia, I don't know if I'm not saying. Pitachia, thank you, that's better. Pitachia, Zehu Mordechai. So now we found out, actually, this guy Pitachia was Mordechai. The Lamini Krishna Pitachia, why was his name called Pitachia? Shaya Poteach Tvarim Bidarsham, the Odea Bashidim Lashon. Because he would open up closed things, he would help, you know, he would be explicate hidden things, difficult things, and he would know the 70 languages, so like open up, you know, inaccessible languages. So it's quite fascinating, is first of all, that it does a little drash on his name, you know, which uh, sometimes we have the Gemara doing by uh, characters in the Torah, but here you're doing it about somebody here that actually his, his name is mentioned in the Mishnah, um, and doing this little drash that he's really the same as this other character, and so on. Again, that's something we're more familiar with, with to, to taking two different names somewhere in the Torah, like, you know, the different names of Yitro. But number two also is, if this is Mordechai, then everybody is, everybody is, the, we're talking about it from the, from the, from the, you know, first return from the, you know, from, from, from the, like the first generation of the Beis HaMikdash Hashani. I mean, what are we talking about? Which generation are we talking about that these people served? Okay, so the Gemara will ask this question, but I mean, what, they all served at the time of Mordechai? Okay, one minute. Ben Achia al Chole Me'ayim. Ben Achia oversaw people with, uh, with that were having digestion problems. Yeah, in the base of Mikdash, because people would have to eat a ton of meat. Yeah. And they get digestion problems. The Kohanim. 
Nechunya chofer shichim. Nechunya would dig wells. We'll see what that is. Gvini crows. Gvini was over. Was the announcer. Um, ben Gever, which is his name. Uh, ben Gever al Ilad Shari made sure that the late gates were locked at night. Be, uh, you know, Kohanim would do it, but he would oversee them. Oh, He's, the yeah, 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 but he would be the head administrator. Okay. Oh, Levine, though, right? Levine. Like, oh, I'm sorry, you're right, I'm sorry. I think I'm sorry, you're right. Levine. Levine were the Shoarim, thank you. Ben Bavi Mimuna al Pakia. Ben Bavi oversaw the Pakia, which you'll see what that is in the Gemara, but I'll tell you now, it's basically the, uh, the twisting of the, of the wicks. Ben Arza al Tzal Ben Arza oversaw the, uh, like the chimes, which would be the signal for the Levine to begin their singing. Hugras um, Ben Levi al Hashir. Hugras Ben Levi actually oversaw the the choir itself. Ben Garmo al Maas what? Oh, Beit Garmo. Thank you. Al Maselachem al We saw them referred to before as well about using the Torah to pay Beit Garmo and Beit Avtina. So here are Beit Garmo and Beit Avtina, which we referred to before. Beit Garmo was the was the was the house of the Kohanim that was that that did handle the Lechem Apanim. This is now less administrative, and they actually in their household they held the secrets of how to make the Lechem Apanim. And Ben Beidafkinas Amas Ektoras, and Beidafkinas knew how to make the Ktoras. Velazar ala Parochas, Upinchas we jumped from Mordechai to something which you would have thought was a little bit towards the end of the Baitani, and now we're all the way back to biblical times. So, Elazar, assuming it's the Elazar in the uh, Torah, maybe it's a different Elazar. But again, the question here is exactly how you get all these figures at the same time. He oversaw the parochet. What exactly did that mean? What did you have to oversee about the parochet? And Pinchas was the one who dressed the Kohanim. So, Kohen Gadol, presumably. Anyway, maybe this isn't the Elazar and the Pinchas in the Torah, but it still raises the question of which generation we're talking about, and if Mordechai, you know, the, if everybody really is from the generation of Mordechai. Yes, Charlie. Um, parts of Tanakh, particularly Sefer Ezra and Ephemia, have unusual amounts of detail about who was doing what. Right. And none Thank of this you. is in Tanakh. Uh, what can I tell you? I mean, um... Another I, I, is, right. Mordecai was not a Kohen. So different centuries. Look, what I will suggest is that, although I don't know, I haven't checked the academic uh, academic issues on this, but um, it's possible that this whole Mishnah, that there's a second layer to the Mishnah, that the, that the statement of Patachia and Mordecai is a later gloss on the Mishnah. And if you take that line out, then we can assume that everything here is describing one particular generation in time, maybe, you know, towards the end of the Mikdash period, which overlapped with the sort of, you know, beginning of the Tanaitic period. That would make a lot more sense. And then assuming that although when Elazar and Pinchas come together, you normally assume it's the biblical, it's the Pinchas, it's, you know, it's the, it's the biblical one, but okay, maybe not. Um, although it is interesting that those are the two also that do not have a Ben by their name, don't have a pathonomic right. or whatever that's but called. Yeah, I'm just kind of wondering because, you know, it seems that some of these were hereditary. Right. right. Well, as we'll see, that's because they, that's because they, that's because they held, that's because they held the secret. Oh, right. That's because they held the secret. Right, right, no, no, I understand, but, but what I find curious is, like, you know, usually, like, the, the mission is trying to tell you at least something that it would be some sort of either standing halacha or, like, you know, dimensions of the temple, which is, you know, still for hundreds of years. Right. Here, this is a guy, just one point in time. Right. I know, think the naming so is less significant, although we'll see what the Gemara sort of gives about the naming, about an idea of giving kavod and honor and so on. But I think it's more to, uh, to make us appreciate the different jobs. You know, that's how I would understand the goal here. But you're right. Like, why Sam mentioned who happens to be at one particular time? Okay, so let's take a look at the Gemara. Um, okay. Um, okay. 
Rav Chizkiya Amr Reb Simon Rabbanan. So the debate of Rav Chizkiya and Rabbanan. Chad Amr Tishere Dor Vador Balim notes. It is not at one generation. It's mentioning like, and this also addresses Michael's question. It's mentioning of all the generations, who are the ones that really deserve to be singled out because of their, you know, righteousness or because of how how upright that they were. Okay, so it's the kosher ones from each generation. It shows one particular one of all the generations to mention, and therefore everybody in the Mishnah could be from all different generations. Okay, the ones that are worth, that, you know, that, that are worth mentioning. Um, the the Charna Amar and Bali Nusalem. So that's what it's mentioning. Charna Amar. The other one says Mishaya Bosador Mana Mashabadoro. No, whoever was in that generation lives to the one in his generation. Meaning, presumably, the author of the Mishnah just listed whoever was happened to be in his generation. So now we'll read the parentheses, I guess. Mana Amar Kishir called Dorvador Bali Nusal Kulan Hu Amir Zechut Sadik Livracha. Now, if you say that you're mentioning the righteous, then you have to say on all of them, Zechit Tzadik Bidracha. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't just mean like the point that the mission is mentioning people that, you know, should, are, are worth mentioning and deserve honor. It means that there's a mission in Yoma that talks about different people that did things for the Beit HaMikdash. And it says certain people gave gifts and da 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 and other people, you know, <coughs> it mentions, by the way, for example, the two here are based um, on Tinas and, uh, what was the other one? Um, based Garmo, that they didn't teach what they didn't teach uh, their, their their craft to anyone else, and then it t- mentions one or o- other two people that did bad things, and then it says Al Harishoni who Omer Zecher Tzadik Livracha, Al Acharoni who Omer Sheni Rishon Yirka. Okay, that's the mission in Yoma. So the question is, who are the Rishonim and who are the who are the Acharonim? So is this base Garmo and base uh, Aftinas? Are they in the Zechat Tzadik Livracha category or in the Shem Rishon Yirkav category? So if you say that our Mishnah is choosing to mention the ones that were the, the Kshayrim, the ones that deserve, you know, recognition, obviously Zechat Tzadik Livracha in that Mishnah in Yoma includes them. So Akulan who Omer Zechat Tzadik Livracha. Know that they were only mentioning who happened to be in the gener- that generation that the mission was mentioned. It doesn't indicate that anybody was particularly good or important. So then, so Shem Rishan Yerkov would include base Garmo and base Aptina. So we're going to see this repeated, this whole question about were these guys good guys or bad guys? On the one hand, they were good, that they preserved the skills and they did a good job. On the other hand, they refused to share it with anyone else. So it depends whether you read that the mission is singling those people, these people out for recognition or not. So if you say Shem Rishon Yirkov applies to uh, these guys, base Garno and base Akinas, so who does the Zechus Tzadik Livracha go on in that mission Yom? Again, it's all referring to a mission Yom which you're uh, which you're supposed to have known. So Al Ben Kasim Bechaveirav only on Ben Kasim and the other people that were mentioned at the beginning of that Mishnah. Okay, so are base Garno and base Akinas good guys? Are they Shem Zechus Tzadik Livracha? Are they Shem Rishon Yirkov? So it depends who you ask. Like a lot of things. Okay, <laughs> a good guy or a bad guy? What? Because they are mentioned in the Mishnah Yoma. And in the Mishnah Yom, it first starts with people that are obviously great guys. They're, and great women, actually. It has Hilmi, I think, and so on. Then it, and then it has, um, on the bottom, somebody who obviously is, you know, did, did wrong things. And then in the middle, it had base Aptinus and base Garmo. And it mentions that they didn't share their knowledge. So you're inclined to read it in the Shem Rishon Yirkov category, but maybe not. 
Okay, and that's what the question is. But they didn't have, did they have an answer? Yeah. We'll, we'll get to it. Okay. We'll see you later. Arab Yonah, Ksiv, okay, the Pesach says, I will divide for him amongst the masters, and with the mighty ones he will, you know, divide the booty. So this idea of Atsumim is Rebbe Akiva that, uh, that established the Halachot and the Haggadot. Now exactly what that means he established is not clear and how it's, uh, you know, um, you know it's, uh, what do you call it, how it's fitting it into, um, into this Pasuk, but it might mean, as the Babli sometimes says, that he took a lot that was before him and disorganized and he sort of gathered it up and reorganized it into categories. So it might be, it might be focusing on the word of Yechalek, to divide up the wealth that preceded him and dividing it up into you know into into under into um, conceptual categories uh, I do means agata yeah agata but exactly oh so now that's interesting hagada meaning like mid, like like midrash halacha right that's interesting. Uh, right. Normally, normally what they say to Rabbi Akiva is Akiva. So it could be. It's interesting. I have to see if there are parallels to the use of the word Haggadah for Midrash tonight. Okay. This is the people of Anshe Knesset Hagdola. Now we're going to see what that means. Tiknu. What did they establish? Alamati um, Kane. So what did they? So what did they establish? They were very key. Alamati. No. Was it Matikane? Is that the? No. Yeah, I know, but I don't think so. I think we're still the Anshe Knesset Hagdola. Alamati Kane. Zekhalot to Pratot. So it's klal and prat. What does that mean? So let's take a look. I'm really evoke. See. Uh, hold on. Let me just see what it says. Um, Oh, actually, no. Oh, okay. Oh, I see, I see. The side says, the side divides the Pesach two ways. Achalek lo berabim, again, switches, you know, maybe it re- assumes that this is implied or reads it into. Achalek lo berabim is Rebbe Akiva. Um, and, and, um, and then, ve'et atzumim yechalek shalal is elu knesset hagdola. So, yes, what, are you, what were you saying? No, uh, Dov was saying so. Oh, that was like Michael was saying. Okay. Oh, okay. I see. Elamati king ze klalotu pratos. What did Rebbe Akiva be talking? The call of the pratos. And what Rebbe Akiva did something? And then the other ones, no, it's not Midrash Halachot. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're right, you're right, right. Okay, that's it. Thank you. I was misreading that. Let's read that again. Okay, there we have a key about three examples in the second line. There we have a key about three examples in the second line. So, the Tzavi Akiva that was Metakein Halachot Hagados. Thank you. I was going back to the Pasuk too soon. The Yeshomim Eilat Sheknesset Hagados. No, the Halachot and Hagados were established by the Antiknesset Hagados. Elamat Tikein, what did Rebbe the cloud of the prat. Thank you. Okay, I was I was I was misreading that. All right. So exactly what the difference is cloud of prat as opposed to halachot v'hagadot. I mean, cloud of prat maybe again is this point more about organizing the material halachot v'hagadot. Um, you know, maybe it's uh, uh, you know what exactly what exactly that's referring to. What you know is a little less clear. That means that he was the first to clearly articulate the halachot v'hagadot. That's certainly not true by Rebbe Akiva. So not exactly clear what exactly is being is being sort of uh, debated about that, that, uh, about who did the halachot v'hagadot. Amar Rabbi Avok sees mispachat sofrim yoshvei yavat the 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 family of the sofrim who dwell in yavit whatever that means maybe a place anyway malchamod lo mir sofrim what does it mean sofrim and this is a famous midrash why were the early generations of the rabbis 
it's called Sofrim. They made the Torah into numbers. What does this mean? So again, this goes into the organizing activity of Chazal, of these sort of traditions, but the way in which they sort of helped organize and categorize things um, and make mnemonics with things. So for example, now we're going to list a lot of Mishnayot that use numbers. Five people can't take Truma. Fifteen women exempt if they're co-wives from Yibam. There are thirty. These are all beginnings of Mishnayot. Okay, thirty-six Kritot in the Torah. Thirteen things are said by a, by a carcass of a kosher bird. Arba avos nizikin, four four main categories of damaging of animals. Avos melacha avrayim v'chazar achas. The melachas on Shabbos are forty minus one. So all of that was done by the early generation. So it's fascinating here. By the way, I knew a guy that had this whole little thing about Echad Miyodeya, all the way to Shloshas on Miyodeya, to link it up to a Mishnah that had, a, <laughs> that had those numbers. Okay, anyway. Arbavos Nezikin, Hamisha Lo Yitrinu, Shisha. Anyway. That's pretty genius. Anyway. So you can figure that could be an assignment for, the, for, 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 for over the weekend to try to come up with that. Anyway, the point here, what's fascinating about this Gemara, is that it recognizes the process of Torah Shabbat Peh. Um, not necessarily in the issue of like development of halacha that might, halacha might you know evolve over time but in the sense of more the organization of the material meaning when it speaks about halachot and hagadot established by Anshay Knesset Hagadolai meaning that's like you know that's like suggestive what does it mean they established the halachot you know again maybe they took practices that were established and then they articulated those practices as laws right maybe they looked around them saw what people were doing and then sort of articulated it as halacha exactly what it means to establish halachot is interesting, and but then we're talking about the sort of organizing, af, you know, the efforts that were done with those traditions. So the Akiva organized things thematically. There was a literary way of giving numbers to things, ways of bringing the material together and making it cohere and making it able to be remembered. And that was an early activity in the sort of process here um, by the by the early rabbis. Um, so I'm a Rebbe Eliezer. Exceed the pasuk says. So now, anyway, what is it? that was all fascinating, but what does that have to do with us? So it might be the, 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 the link over here. So let's take a look. Uh, the, the connection we're about to make. Ezra HaKohen HaSofer. Ezra the Kohen, the Sofer. So we just mentioned the Sofrim of the rabbis. Here we have a Kohen who's a Sofer. So Ma'atam Adomar Sofer. What does it mean he's a Sofer? The same way there was a, um, it's actually funny because it, it might, um, there, was a, there, was, there was a counting uh, in the words of the Torah, meaning that they attribute to Ezra, meaning it really should be the other way, based on what we just said before. Meaning the same way we just mentioned before that the rabbis created numbers as a way of organizing their material and sort of passing it down. So Ezra numbered the Torah. And this is attributing to Ezra the work that we know of the early Mesorites, which is to say, you know, exactly how many psukim, how many times is it written he? How many times is it written who? How many times is it spelled mole? How many times is it spelled chaser? What's half the Torah in words? What's half the Torah in letters? All of those things are ways in ensuring the accuracy of the text. 
So we are assuming that that's what Chazal did with the, with the sort of rabbinic material, the Tanakhidic material, to preserve its memory and its, you know, and its uh, accuracy. And that's what Ezra did with the written text of the Torah. Maybe, yes. maybe this is just so obvious, but I think it's very revealing that the word Sefer yes. and the word so fair. In other words, everything that we mean by a Sefer right. has embedded in its definition and identity a sense of structure and organization. Interesting, meaning least four to tell over, but it also least to count. Yeah, and it's a count. That right. There's a structure. There's right. a number of words. Right. There are sections. That there's right. Theme. Right, right. It's a good point. I mean, the simpler sense of so fair, obviously, is from Lispor, which means to to, narrow, to tell, right? And it's a book that tells a story. But the idea here that so fair also means, as, you, as it said, you know, very much and counted and numbered. Sacred, right. 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 Okay. Rabbi Chagai B'Shem Reb Shmuel Bar Nachman. Harishonim, this is such a great line. Harishonim, the early ones, the early Tanaim, Harshu, they plowed, Vizaru, they planted, Nichshu, they weeded, Kishu, Idru, Kitsru, Amru, they did all these various things, they hoed, they harvested, they put it into pile, the wheat, Doshu, Zaru, they, 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 they threshed, they uh, winnowed, Biru, Tichnu, they took out the, you know, they, 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 the, 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 the psolet, the, you know, the stones, they, they ground it into wheat, Kirkidu, Lashu, they sifted, they kneaded, Kitsu, the Asu, it's like, you know, they, 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 they patted it down the dough they baked the bro- dough they did everything to make the Torah accessible to us and we don't have anything to eat they did everything we have it so easy and we still have a hard time to access the Torah such a beautiful idea because of appreciating how much like we just come and we read the Mishnah well what came before the Mishnah what did you have to do to what was around before in order to get to the stage that you could articulate it in this organized fashion in the Mishnah? We just kind of have the only Right, exactly. <laughs> but no, but this is, uh, it's not just, uh, but the point really is how much to appreciate. Look, you know, it's the same thing you could say in, really in literal terms. You go to the supermarket, you buy a loaf of bread, you ever take a moment to appreciate, you know, how many people were involved and how much effort was involved in the, getting it to the table? I mean, you just look at the list of the malachot that that required, right? So the same is true when you come and you open up a Gemara and you, even you, you read a Mishnah and they're looking at all the earlier material. What existed before the Mishnah? How much did you have to do to transform whatever sort of oral traditions and practices that there were into articulated law like you were saying before about Halachot into organized into getting it all to this state and look and we still have a tough time. Rabbi Ava Bar Zamina B'Shem Rabbi Ze'era In Havan Kadma In Malachim So now that's the guest the next, the next thing which is also paralleled in the Bavli If the earlier ones were Malachim were angels Anan B'nei Anash then we're just people In Havan B'nei Anash if they were people Anan Chamarim then we're donkeys at that time I said even like the donkey of, of Pinchas and Yaru were not comparable so we're not even an, we're not even a good donkey we're just a normal donkey now we get to tell the story about the donkey of Pinchas and Yaru again par- this is exactly paralleled in the Bavli well, not exactly but it's parallel so the donkey of Rapinchas ben Yari, Ganafta um, stole, uh, Balaya, bandit stole him in the middle of the night. Avda Tamira Gabon plus a yomin. So they uh, uh, they hid him by themselves for three days. They you know they had the donkey with them in hiding for three days. The low Tamakum and he refused to eat. Okay, he went on a hunger strike. Bazar Klasa Yomin, after three days, Imlachun Chazarta. They changed their mind and they decided to return it. They didn't want to have to deal with a dead donkey on their hands and then they'd have to explain it and they'd get into trouble and they'd be found out. 
Ari, Afkinu Minacha, let's get him out of here. The low Tamus Gabon, so he shouldn't die on us. Afkunu, so they got rid of, they, 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 they chased him away. Afkuna, Azlis Vakamusla Altara de Mare. So he went and he stood by the door of his master. He knew he was a homing donkey. He knew how to get home. Okay? Sharius Migahekef. He began to, uh, you know, to moan or whatever sound. What sound does a donkey make? Nay? Bray. No. Bray. He began to bray. Amr alone. So, uh, so Rapinchus Ben Yar said to them, his uh, students or whoever was there, Pitchun Lahada al Lufta. Open up the door for this, uh, you know, uh, 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 forsaken. forsaken one. Thank you. The Yomi It has gone three days without eating anything. It knew that its donkey wouldn't eat when it went, you know, when it wasn't at the house. Now maybe it was because, as I said, a hunger strike. But we'll see another reason why it wouldn't eat. So he somehow realized that the donkey hadn't eaten. Puskin lay. So they opened up the law. They opened up the door for the donkey. The Alasla, and they brought it in. I'm alone. I wanted to run in the house, in the barn. Anyway, I'm alone. He said to them, So give them something to eat. They gave him uh, barley. They didn't want to eat it. He didn't want to eat it. He said to his uh, attendants, the students, Oh, no, they said to him, Rebbe, he doesn't want to eat the barley. I'm alone. He said to them, Have you, um, have you fixed it? So, meaning, have you have you fixed it in the in the physical sense? Have you like removed the uh, you know the uh, the the psolet, like the you know the you know the the, the stones and the chaff from it? Amulay in, yes, we did. Amulon. So he said to them, Damian, have you taken away off the my? Not even definite trumas and maisas. It was brought. It was brought from Ameha Aret, so it only had an obligation of demai, of a rabbinic need of taking trumas and maisas. And, you, you do that. and it, well, they were only feeding it to the donkey, and you're allowed to feed your animals demai. <coughs> so they said, great, it's an animal. We can feed our animals demai. Ah, maybe other animals. Yes, but I mean, wait, whoa, no, we didn't. We, why, 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 why take demai? Why, you know, it's, a, it's only demai. You can feed it to animals. So, um, lo. Cain, Alpha, and Rebbe, the Rebbe taught us. If you say, if you take the Mai for planting, or or for feeding your animals, or chemical orot, or to use flour for, the, for, the, uh, for leather, so you're not taking it for eating, then shemen or oil for, uh, for, for a lamp, patimina demai, you don't have to separate off uh, demai. I mean, trumas and is from the demai. So what we didn't, I'm alone, he said to them, what should we do to this forsaken one? Because it is, it's machmir on itself, by the way, notice that word, Dove, you enjoy the language, right? No, yourself is etzen, is bone, right? And garma in Aramaic too, garma is a bone, and garma is your is yourself. Well, okay. Chamor and machmir. Yeah, that was cool. That was nice. I hadn't thought about that one. Chamor is machmir. But I'm just pointing out generally the word of garma means yourself and it means a bone, both in Hebrew and Aramaic. Anyway, that's a good point. The chamor is machmir. It's machmir in itself. Sagin varimun damian. So go ahead, you know, um, it's, it's enough, meaning you should go ahead and take the demai. Um, sagin bar, I mean, I'm sorry, excuse me, sagi, like they went. Sagin bar, they went and they took the demai, the achalot, and then it finally ate. And which probably explains why it didn't eat when it was in the hand of the bandits, because they were feeding it, I'm sure. My stuff that was pebel, gezel. So you see how righteous the chamor was. If the people, if the previous generations were people, we're not even at the level of the chamor of Pinchas ben Yair. Um, this idea about the donkey being mocked on itself, and I just have to tell you this joke, which is, that uh, I think this is telling the name of the Nodi Behuda, that there was a shochet from the neighboring town that every week would come over and ask him Shilohs about Trefos of the animals he shechted that week. But then a few weeks went by and he didn't come. So finally he started coming back. So he said to him, he said, 
I don't understand. Where were you these, these last few weeks? He said, look, I would come because I have to come because I don't want to be, you know, selling trafers. But it's a big schlep. It's half a day here. It's a half a day back. Then when Shabbos, I was hearing, as they were reading in the show, they were reading the, the Parsha, and they said, So I said, oh, I've got, I've got a solution. Let me take some meat from an animal. I have a suffake. I'll throw it to the dog. If it eats it, it's a trafer. If it doesn't eat it, it's not a trafer. So he said, hmm. He said, that's, uh, that's very interesting. He said, so, so why'd you come back? He said, so the guy said, dog was too big of a machmir. Yes, yes. Michael, you're a good question. I was going to say, we just read the other day, week or two ago, about the Akedah, Shulchan Poem HaChamor, and then Amal Gemel HaChamor, which is, quote-unquote, the non-Jewish people. But here we're saying, when he was at that level, it was interesting. So, you know, we're supposed to, like, you know, that sort of narrow way of looking at it, yeah, but this is in a sort of self-deprecating way and talking about the greatness of the previous generations. By the way, that Midrash is talking specifically about about uh, about, about Avadim, I believe. Um, anyway, so let's keep on going. So that was a nice little thing, which presumably was the idea of, uh, uh, you know, it's not exactly clear to me how it ties how it ties in. I got to tell you. Um, I'm not exactly sure how this how this whole idea of the greatness of the previous generations. The one thing is Ezra HaKohen HaSofer, but even that did not exactly tie into the rest of the Mishnah, the theme about what's going on in the Beit HaMikdash. So, anyway. Okay, Ptachia Alakinim. We skip over some of the people mentioned in the Mishnah. We talk about Ptachia, who we heard was Mordechai, oversees the bird sacrifices. So, Borei Magadol Hu Kocho Shaloso Eish. Poteach Tvarim Vedarshan. Okay, come and see how great he was. He could open up things and explicate them. All right. Yodea b'shivim l'ashon, and he knew 70 languages. Tani, Sanhedrin sheish po shnayim sheicholim l'dabeir, v'kulam ru'im l'shmoa. If you have a Sanhedrin of 70, two of them can speak all languages, and the rest of them can understand other languages. Harezu ru'il l'shanhedrin. That's the minimum requirement for a Sanhedrin. Um, um, hold on one second. Just my thing stop. Hold on one second. For some reason, this thing stopped on me. Yeah, so I don't want to start again. Uh, off? No, uh, no, 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 no. It's okay. We'll just start. No, no, it's fine. Let's start again. Okay. All right. So then it's then it's the minimal requirement for our Sanhedrin. Gimel Harei Zebenunit. If three people can speak even all seventy language, that's an average Sanhedrin. Everybody else needs to understand. Arba four can do it. Harei Zu Chachma Ubi Chachma. That's a wise Sanhedrin. Ubi Yavna Hayu Ba Arba. There were four in the Sanhedrin of Yavna. Ben Azai, Uben Zoma, Uben Chachinoi, Rebeliazer Ben Masia. Okay, so these were the four that could speak all to in Masha. Amar of Chizda, Pam Achas Yavsha Eretz Yisrael. One time there was a very dry, a drought in Israel. They didn't know where to bring the Omer from. And there was one person who was mute. Um, he put one hand on a, on a rooftop and one on the top of like a teepee um, they brought him in front of Ptachia remember Ptachia could figure out hidden things so he's going to interpret this mime so they brought him in front of Ptachia and he said to the people is there a place in Israel called Gagot Srifin or Srifin Gagot so they went there presumably one of I presume we got goat in, I don't know. The Ashkechan and they found that they had that their place had grain that they could use for the Omer. Amr of Yosi Bey Rebbe Boon Pamachas another similar story there was one time Nishtaf Kolalam Kulal there was like a a, 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 um, a 
polite. Thank you. I mean, the entire world. The low, I mean, the entire world, not just Israel. The low, you do me hechem la v'yomer. They didn't know where to bring the omer from. The havet teman chad ilim. There was a mute person. The havet yoyv yade al ene. One hand on his eye. The other al suchrad al suchrad. One and one hand on like the opening of a well. I sinu l'gabi p'tachia. They brought him in front of p'tachia. I'm alone, and he said to them, "Is asar demitzkaya ein socher or socher ayin? Is there a place called ein socher or socher ayin? Presumably, ein socher is the place." The azus saman. They went there, the askechun, and they found and they found the wheat that they could use. Now, gimel nashim heviu kinehem. Three three women brought their kinim right to Ptachia because again Ptachia is Mordechai he's so brilliant and kinim he was oversaw the kinim and now we're going to see now again if you read the simple sense is why you need somebody like Mordechai according to this understanding anyway over the kinim is because the whole we have a whole mesechet on it and when they get mixed up it creates all of these problems. Uh, but the Gemara is going to give another story with Kim that's more similar to the previous one. Okay, so three women came to him. Zotum um, one said, Le'inasi. This is for my ayin. Now, ayin can mean like uh, I, but it can also mean ayin as a, like, ain, like we just said, ain socher, or well. So we're, probably, so we're going to see how we'll interpret it. One is, Achazomer Le'yamasi. This is for my ocean. Achazomer Le'zivasi. This is for my presumably flow. So Zoshemir's Lainasi, the one that said my ayin, sovereign maimer, we thought it meant Shofat Kimayan, that I have, you know, had a flow. I'm a, and I've been like, you know, like like a, like the like a, like like the flow of a of a well of a well. And therefore I'm bringing it because I'm a Zava. Now Nida doesn't bring a Korban, but a Zava does. So and a Zava, by the way, is a woman who bleeds not during her menstrual period. So if she's flowing like a like 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 a like a well, you know, like a spring, then um, then you then it means I bled not during my menstrual period, and it's for the fact that I'm a Zava. Um, uh, uh, that's what we thought she meant, which is a certainly reasonable interpretation. Um, where was he? Um, okay, I'm alone. No, so Ptachia said to us. No, it meant that I had some type of a di- of, of, of an injury. I was endangered in my eye, and I, my life was at risk. And I'm bringing this just as like as a as a Thanksgiving. It's a total ola. It's not a korban for a zava. And there's a difference. One is ola, the other is a chatas and an ola. So therefore, he said, no, 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 that's not what he means. He means within the dava. I have no idea. Maybe he said and he walked out and left. Because remember, also by the way, they put their money into the into into the you know basket, not the basket, whatever, into the into the box, and then they 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 use the funds afterwards. So you have to know why people are putting the money in the box. Okay, okay. So Zosha Merzli, okay, Zosha Merzli Yamasi, the one that's in my ocean, Savin Mayra Shofaf Kiyam. I'm you know flowing like an ocean. So again, I have a, a, a flow that goes beyond my menstrual period, and I'm a zava. I'm alone. No, he said to us, Biyamasakan. No, it means that I was uh, I, I, I I was endangered in the ocean. I almost lost my life. And again, it's a nadava. Zosho meres Now this seems pretty clear. The one that said for my flow, Savin Mamer zava mamish. She's a zava. I'm alone. He said to us, No, it means that a a, 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 a wolf came to try to uh, take her uh, take away her child, and she got saved. And again, it's a it's a nadava. Now, again, how the heck did he know this? So presumably, one imagines that he there was something about the body language he was reading, the context he was reading, and this is why he's so brilliant. Just on paper, their other explanation makes more sense. But he was able to pick up something about the demeanor of the person that he was able to interpret it in this way but yes the, the, the Talmud knows obviously the Talmud is assumption right that neither was a, was a natural cycle and yeah. neither was uh, unnatural right unnatural. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure yeah 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 
Okay. Question? Yeah. So the, this, this is not a, an ordinary Toda offering. Not an ordinary... Um, no, it's an Ola. It's an Ola. Yeah. Like, yeah, so it's not a so Toda. bringing an Ola, Ola as, as a type of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Ben Achia. Now, um, Ben Achia was the one who oversaw stomach ailment, stomach problems. So the Martha says very, very practically. Practically, would go barefoot on the uh, on the on the on the store on the floor. and they would stuff themselves with meat. They'd have to eat all those korbanos that were brought in day, all the chasas and ashams. Okay, and they would drink water because they weren't allowed any other thing apparently in the Beit Hamikdash other than water for some reason. Um, um, so that led to uh, stomach ailments. So it's quite fascinating that it assumes that if you're drinking water it's part of the problem um, one minute and he would know what's good wine the problem if you've got a stomach issues is, is drinking the right wine that's the solution so he would know what would be the right wine for stomach problems would be good for the stomach meaning um, presumably would to, to help you uh, to help you um, uh, uh, what's it called um, the, uh, go to the bathroom. <laughs> What's that called when you take something? For, a laxative. That would be, oh no, so no, the opposite. Presumably, Tavlumayaya might be, it would help you keep it in. Which one would be a laxative for the stomach and help you, help you get it out? So anyway, he knew which wines to feed them, which one would be a laxative and which one would be a, what's the other one called? What's the other one called? The opposite of a laxative. A constipative? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Okay, so that, so he would know which wines to feed them. All right, so now let's go on. Yes, please. The previous stories Right. Oh, that's a nice point. Between the people in authority and the ability for them to really understand, right? Tachya, who's right, right. Right. Speak their language, right? Very nicely said. Okay. Nechunya would dig wells. Shaya Chofer Shichim Marod. He would dig wells and, uh, you know, Marod are like caves, other types of, uh, you know, uh, things that you would dig in order to get access to water. And he would know, which type of a rock, if you dig into it, or, you know, you can get out cold water from it. There'll be like cold water underground. Yeah, yeah, because they would need it in the base of Mikdash. Yes, it's basically just related. The Haidane Kate East Bay Sharvuri. Sharvuri. I don't know what it is. Let's try it again. Sharvirov. Oh, I can't do it. Okay. Shravrav is a plumber. Thank you. Shravrav. I can't even pronounce it. Okay. Shravruvi. Okay, there. There you go. Shravruvi. Anyway. No, no, no. But anyway, the way they say it means is it means um, it means like sherev is hot with heat. 
So shravru, right? So shravru would mean hot water. Okay, that heichan shavurise matyan. How far it would go down into the earth, the uh, stream of you know the uh, stream of hot water. Okay, I'm already there. Umeis b'no Now here is a challenging theological uh, episode that happened. The whole question of theodicy. Here's this amazing guy that he'd make sure that the basin mikdash always had water, always had the exact right water that it needed, and his son died in thirst. Died out of uh, died, died because he didn't have water. So now the Gemara gets into a fascinating reflection on how to make sense of that phenomenon. So let's take a look. So Amar Rabbi Chanina, Man Meyali. So this is a famous line: is whoever says God is a is a Vasran, God like just lets things go. He forgives, like he does. You don't have to do tshuva. You know, yeah, you sin. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. If you think that's the way God acts, then your stomach should be uh, should be let go as well. So which is like means that you can you know God does midas adin. People ultimately get punished. So God doesn't just let things go. All right, Ella Marich Ruche. God might not punish right away. He, he, you know, he's Erechapayim. He extends his wrath. In the end, though, he'll collect what's coming to him. Um, so, what's the meaning? So, what's the answer here? So, the answer is: Look, it looked like this guy was a tzaddik. It looked like his child was a tzaddik. Don't worry. There's a right cheshbon up in Shemayim, and even though you don't see how it's attributed, God, it's ultimately midas hadin. We have to assume that it's just and that it's paying back for some sin in the past that we're not aware of. So basically just saying, it's, you know, it's, I, we believe in God as a just God, even if we don't understand how it's working out. Ultimately, this, is, this makes sense. That was his answer. We're not done. What? You think he's saying the opposite? No, no. I mean, he's talking about somebody who does well, even though he's wicked. Oh, the interim period, yes, but I think it's being used here, right. If you see, that's a good point, if you see, meaning it's not just if I'm going to sin and say God will forgive it, but if you see somebody who's doing well, don't ask, how is he doing well, God, did God just forgive his sin, don't worry, God will eventually collect what's due to him. Right, that's a good point, that's, that's a nice way of saying it, because then you're not sort of directly making the statement about here, you're just suggesting the sort of reverse you know, in this case, yes. There's another read here. Yes. No, 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 no. We're getting to that. That, that, uh, that, that. I don't see that in this statement. That's going to come up. Don't worry. That, that point is going to come up. Uh, yes, but that's not, I don't see that being said here. That's going to come up in the next, in the next bit. So let's see. So that was one idea. Somehow, yes, the cheshpan all works out. Um, now Rabbi Acha is going to say something else and which, um, which it's a drush on a pasuk but seems to be answering how to, how to relate to this phenomenon the pasuk says around God it's very like it's a whirlwind that's the literal meaning so so sivivav, those that are surround God, nisara from the word sa'ar, God is as exacting as like a hairbreadth. So the closer you are to God, the more He expects of you, right? And the bigger tzaddik you are, the more you know, the, the, the higher standard you'll be held to. A because you're you're fit to be held to a higher standard. B also presumably because if you do something wrong, it impacts on how people perceive God. So the closer you are, the higher standard you're up to. So did it. So that's why we can't understand again how he was punished. But as opposed, why he was punished? But as opposed to an idea with some old sin that God was paying back for, it's no. God has an extremely high standard. Even God, God was a total tzaddik. You know, he he must have been held to a very very high standard. Uh, I right. 
Yeah. It's like our our own sons, right? Right, right, right. They're a common way that Rashi explains the puzzle. Be so shy, right? Be kovaya kadesh. Exactly, exactly. Rashi quotes this idea by the puzzle. Be kovaya kadesh. Our Reb Yosi lo mitam hazeh. No, not based on that puzzle. Ela mimad yisiv. What's meant by the verse? Vinorahu al kol sivav. God is awesome around all those that surround him. Morao al hakrovin yosher min arichokim. His awe is more on those that are close than those that are far away. Now, awe does not just mean, in this sense, how we experience God, but also how God acts, as it were, vis-a-vis us. So again, it's that closeness, and therefore, that's, or the, what's demanded in terms of that awe, and therefore when somebody oversteps, the consequences are... are uh, so I don't understand that somebody here can explain to me how that's conceptually different than what we said before, other than darkening from another pasuk. I mean, there is a difference that one talks about God being exactly acting and the other talks about the greater awe that a person has so maybe it's a difference between God demanding a higher standard and the understanding that you know the, the, that you should implicitly live up to a higher standard because of because you under you know you, because of that clo- clo- closeness so it's not as though God is imposing it it's the awe the, you know and your, your appreciation of God demands that higher standard that's, that's the best that I can understand maybe somebody can, 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 can yes um, reality one yeah. emphasizing the responsibilities for the behaviors that he's, uh, functions that he's right so the other is completely interiority yes but if it's completely interiority then it's not relevant here now you might just why? because then why does it do with why he was punished I mean, if, the whole point it's making is the closer you are the more experience you have of God the more all you, you, you need to have of God it doesn't explain it's not, a, it's not a response to why this happened so I think it means that because of that, that leads to a, a greater demand, but more like a demand that almost emerges from within rather than with, with, emerges from without. That's what I was trying to Maybe say. Maybe they're more sensitive to the nuances of Skyrim. That's understood with the difference between these two phrasings, right. Just trying to get a bit of a handle on it. Um, now, what Dove was saying before is what one of the Mepharshim tried to say, which is why was it Dafka that he died in thirst? was because somehow, and again, I don't see this clear in the text, but that somehow because he was the father, was so invested, and this is, could be like the Chut answer, so invested in the area of water, so therefore, in a way, he was being held up to make sure that he did absolutely the best in regards to that water. And therefore, if there was something that was even a little bit off, he was going to get punished for it. So the Medakti Kekut would be understood to be within the context of his job of providing water in the Beit HaMitash and that's why his son died in thirst. So to explain actually, you know, that almost Midah Kineged Midah in the ironic way. Um, so that's I think building on the Kekut Rabbi Chagai, now, now let's look at the next story because the next story is fascinating. Rabbi Chagai in the, in the juxtaposed to this. Not to the base of Mikdash, he would dig these wells for, for the people that would, you know, go by in the journey, you know, um, and obviously it was a time when you couldn't just, you know, go ahead and go into a store and get a Coke, so, you know, the, the people would be obviously very weary, and the more they had, they had wells, along, you know, alongside the main road, and, or accessible, it was a tremendous, tremendous Tova. So, and he did this all presumably on his own. Once his daughter was going to get married, so, you know, to heighten the tragedy here, she was about to get married, to Shatfanar, and she got washed away by a river. So, uh, again, it's like a reverse Mita Kineged Mita. He was a tzaddik in this area, providing water, and she got punished by water. 
Everybody went to, to visit him. And they tried to give him consolation. He refused to accept, he refused to be consoled, like Yaakov Avinu, right? He wouldn't be consoled. And by Yaakov, he wouldn't be consoled, and it winds up that Yosef was alive. So, and the Rashi there quotes the, you know, the Chazal that, you know, that, uh, that you know that that says that you know that God was goes there uh, that the, the memory of the mace should like or you know or the pain should be abated after twelve months but if the person is still alive then somehow you know metaphysically it wasn't possible for him to be consoled okay so he refused to be consoled now you could also read it that he was very angry that he, uh, that Dafka the thing that he was you know it's almost like an eel story mm-hmm. right the injustice Dafka the thing that he was so machmir on all of the, now he you know this happened to his daughter on her wedding day so he refused to be consoled Al Rabbi Pinchas Ben Yair ah, Rabbi Pinchas Ben Yair makes another visit he came Gabe to him by Menachemta he wanted to console him he refused to accept it Menachemta he refused to accept the consolation our alone so they um so so he said to them like the people are, you know the people in, in the neighborhood the friends this is your chassid that he uh, you know that he, he refuses to be consoled he refuses to be consoled you don't accept God's justice that you think that it, you know that's like you have a time against God so Amr they said to him Rebbe Tachzakach HaYose look let, let me explain to you what the story is it's not just Stam a guy who lost his daughter this is what he would do he would dig these wells Tachzakach alone. this is how his daughter died it was you know it's, it's incomprehensible to him Amar so, so he said Evsher Shahaya Mechaded Esporah B'mayim who Mechapcho B'mayim is it possible that he honored his creator with water and God is going to now cut him off like you know you know injure him with water Miad Nafla Havara B'ir immediately a like a commotion arose in the city Buzz Bito Shaloso Ish and the daughter came back came back alive okay you know showed up alive Isam now how did she survive some say Besuchsa Israris that she grabbed onto a branch as she was being washed away by the river. The East Army and some say, Malach Yara Kidmusra Pinchas Ben An angel came down looking like Rapinchas Ben Yarek Sefer. That was Rapinchas Ben Yarek's statement. Now, ultimately, of course, what this means is, I think the point here is, if he hadn't said it, she would have died. But in a way, because he could have, couldn't have accepted that, right? And, you know, he says that this is inappropriate. So somehow some miracle happened, some deus ex machina happened, and she actually wound up that she had survived. Um, and that's, I think, the message of the Malach of, of, of Pinchas Ben Yair. It was his intervention that made her survive. Now maybe it's there are two ways to read the story. The other way, and maybe this is if it wasn't his intervention, it just happened naturally, it's that in the end, it's sort of saying, yeah, God would never do it. Pinchas Ben Yair didn't do anything special. If, if something this unjust, God would never let happen. And actually it turned out that it was a misunderstanding, and lo and behold, she hadn't died. If you read, and so in a way, it's interesting when you juxtapose this story to what preceded, right? Because what's the justice of the previous story? And here we have a story. So one way of reading the story is, you know what? Forget about that. Whatever the answer is, that's the answer. The general rule is God would never do such a thing like this, right? And therefore, we have to assume that you know that 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 hopefully there will always be another explanation, interpretation. But God would never actually punish somebody in exactly that thing that they were, you know, so wonderful in. But the other possible read is no, actually, like the previous story, sometimes it does happen, and it's only the intervention of Pinchas Ben Yair that allowed that to sort of not happen in that case. Okay, it's also interesting to think about what is the difference between what Pinchas Ben Yair said and this guy's refusal to accept consolation. It basically was the same point, right? But the difference might have been, that 
how could this, you know how could God do this right I was so great in this and now I'm being punished this way but could be the point is is that Rav Pinchas and Yara refused to believe that it was true right they both accepted that it would make no sense but well if you believe that it's true then you have a taina against God he refused to believe it was true there must be another explanation and in a way I think that goes back to the previous story you know we have to like believe the attitude here is you have to believe in God's justice you have to you, you refuse to believe it's true that this should be unjust we might not know the answer, but rather than saying it's unjust and having a taina against God, the Finches Benyar's response is no, you can't accept that it's unjust. There's some explanation. Okay, so I think it's a very nice closure to that previous uh, so story. The consolation, it wasn't that the father refused to believe that the daughter died. It was that he believed the daughter died. And he had a taina against God. You're right. Right. And he refused to believe... And he didn't want to be consoled because he was angry. In some, way, in some sense, it could make sense. Right. Right. It's like an EO story, in a way. Right? This reminds me of the Alicia story, reviving the dead, dead child. Uh, right? Oh. Because he, he, right. because he intervenes. If he right. Intervenes, right. You know, exactly. Like exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But this kind of stepping in and, and opposing what appears to be the divine uh, imperative. Right. Exactly, exactly. The whole idea of an angel that looked like Rafinchas Ben Yair. You know, somebody says, Oh, you're such an angel. So here he is. He was the, he was the angel. An angel that looked like Rafinchas Ben Yair. Okay, Gvini Cruz, we'll try to get a little bit more. Now, Gvini was the announcer. He would make the announcements in the base of Mikdash. My Omer, what would he say? He would, get every, he would wake everybody up, maybe if they were sleeping, or he would get everybody into their posts when the time came. Oh, oh, God, get to the Avoda. Get to your stations, you know, where they're going to do the Shira. The Israel Mamadam. And Jews go to be the Mamad, which is the sort of uh, representation of the Jewish people that stood by the Korban Tamid. So Agrifas heard the, uh, his voice. He had a very thundering voice, eight, pars- eight parsings away, which is like eight kilometers. One assumes it's a bit of an exaggeration. And he gave him a lot of gifts. I don't know why. Because he thought, oh, you're doing such a good job. Let me encourage you. Okay. Ben Gever oversaw the closing of the gates, locking the gates, as, which is the, the, the job of the Levi'im. So, so Tirgas. Uh, tier game, excuse me, Rav, Kumi debate Rashila, Kra Gavra. Now, there, the, there's, a, there's a Mishnah that said uh, that they would do the, the Trumas Hamizbeach, not the Trumas Halishka, but the Trumas Hadeshen when it was, when the, when the, when the, when the, when the, at the, at the, when, I'm just get the exact phrase here. Um, the phrase is, hold on. The um, Kriyas Hagever. So at the Kriyas HaGever, they would do the Trumas HaLishtan. So what's Kriyas HaGever? So the way it's normally explained is Gever is a word for a rooster. And it was when the rooster crowed. Okay, so he translated it as, um, as Kragavra. Kragavra Achlis Krusa. So he translated this Kragever, Kriyas HaGever, as the announcer made his announcements. Meaning he connected it, first of all, to the fact that it says Ben Gever, okay, and he was the one that, oh no, he was Nilo Sharim, excuse me. So anyway, so he but said it means that the announcer made the announcement. Gever literally means Gever. It doesn't mean a rooster, okay? Amalei, Emmerkrat Tarnagola. Why don't you say it means when the rooster crows? Amalei, Vatan Inan, Ben Gever. Because our Mishnah talks about a Ben Gever. It was the guy's name. 
Was he the son of a rooster? Which is such a funny answer. But it's basically saying is, I'd rather not explain that the word gether means, uh, means a rooster. I'd rather assume that it means a man. Okay, so clearly that's what it means here. And anyway, that's what he would read it there as not the rooster, um, but um, the crow, uh, not the, not, you know, not the rooster, but about the announcer. Okay, let's a little bit more. Ben Pakia, Babi al Pakia. Ben Babi oversaw the Pakia. So what's the Pakia? Shahayim is Psilot. That he would basically twist the, the threads that would be used, you know, the, uh, um, the, the wicks that would be used in the menorah. Rabbi Yosi Kufra. So Yosi came to Kufra. Ba'amimania Elion Parnasin. He wanted to appoint people to be Parnasin, which is people to um, um, administrate tzedakah. And so it's a lot of responsibility, but he wanted to make people, he wanted to do something about how they were handling the tzedakah in the city and wanted to appoint Parnasin. The low kibbutz minahon, they refused, they, they didn't want to accept, they didn't want to take the job. He got up, interesting phrase, meaning like it was a drusha, maybe on Shabbat, and he said to them, Ben Babi al Pakir. Our Mishnah teaches that Ben Babi was over the wicks. This guy, his, the whole thing that he was overseeing was just the wicks. Not a very big, big deal in the, sitting in the base of Mikdash. It had to get done. It wasn't such a big deal, though. Okay, compared to the other stuff. So, Zachali Manatin Gdole Hador. He was mentioned with the great ones in the Mishnah. The people that had obviously much more jobs of much greater significance. Atem Shatem Ma'ima Chayen If I show you, if you say you, you will be appointed on, it, on, the, on an issue that's of life and death, making sure that the poor get the food that they need. Well, Koshkein, how much more so will you be counted amongst the great ones? So, yes, taking positions of authority and of, and of responsibility is a lot of work, but look at this. Look at the type of, you know, Kavod and the that is deserving and the importance of that. Okay? Then Arza al Tzal, just a little bit more, he would be over the, like, uh, the, the, the ring, the, uh, the, um, you know, the, the muse, uh, the clanging of the, like, of the, uh, the chimes or the triangle. He had the tanina, tamat, he needs when they were bringing the tamid, you had to do the singing at the moment that the korban was being brought. So the, uh, so the, um, the, the assistant would wave with the flags because it's a good way to communicate at a distance. So he keeps been arzal He banged the chimes or banged like a, like, you know, a triangle or a gong or whatever it was, more like a chime. And then the Levine began the singing and the playing of the instruments. And Hugus ben Levi al-Hashir, Hugus ben Levi, now here he was from the Levi family, so he oversaw the Shir, the actual singing of the Levi'im. He knew a very beautiful melody. The He would be able to, like, you know, make his voice extremely melodious with, the, with melody or accompany, you know, accompanying, with, accompanying music. And he, he, would, he would stick his thumb in his mouth. He would be able to make many different types of uh, amazing sounds, you know, by sticking his thumb in his mouth. I don't know. It's like, anyway, like whistling or something. I don't know. And all the Quranim would be like, the, exactly what this phrase means, like some, but somehow it means like they would be, um, you know, like uh, startled, taken aback at how amazing and how powerful this music was. Okay, so I guess we will end here the whole story about the Lecham HaPanim and these houses that wouldn't teach that we'll have to wait for tomorrow. All right. Yeah.